Welcome to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. I'm Nick Sinclair and this is the go-to podcast if you're an accountant and looking to set up and build a high-performing offshore team for your accounting firm. Here you can learn how to complement your local efforts, grow capacity and deliver more to clients than ever before. Hear from experts who have done it already. Let's go. I'm Pam Taylor, Director of Amada Business Management, and you're listening to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. Pam, give us an overview of your team structure, both local, offshore, number of team members, roles, and how long you've been on this offshoring journey. Okay. So, um, Nick, we're a fairly unique business over here in WA. Um, The Amada Group comprises of a business management division, tax and accounting, financial planning, lending, and audit. And we're all based in a new location in Osborne Park. Um, We also have a specialised business division called Abbott Native Title Trustees. And they operate out of our um, Perth office. And they offer management of trusts for our Indigenous Australian groups. We have 85 team members based in Osborne Park and 13 team members in our Perth office with 98 team members in our WA offices. And that's a a fairly unique makeup. There's six staying client managers within our our groups and made up of senior accountants, intermediate accountants, junior accountants, bookkeepers, auditors, financial planners, um, finance brokers um, and obviously our admin team as well that support us along the way. Currently we have three team members in in the clerk office. Um, Two of the team members are bookkeepers and one is a client service assistant. We've only been working with TOA for about four months now and we're currently looking to recruit another bookkeeper and CSA in the Philippines as well. Excellent. So the team's growing quick, which shows that it's working, um, which is great. Now, Pam, do you have a niche with the overall? Obviously, it's quite a, a strong business across many divisions, but does the business overall have a niche? Um, the business doesn't overall have a niche. Each of our 16 client managers have a specialised area in which they offer services. So when we're meeting with clients, we actually fit the client manager to the business or the client um, based on what expertise they're looking for. Excellent. Now, the story of setting up your offshore team, what were the motivations behind this um, versus obviously all the other priorities within the firm? And I know um, from talking to you, that your area was the the first area in the business to put, or I suppose, dip the toe in the water and, and see how it goes. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about your story and what were the motivations behind doing this? Yeah. So during um, the last probably eight months, I've been looking at ways to, I guess, improve the performance of business management um, in our, the way we offer our services to our clients in turnaround times, um, quality of work. Um, efficiency of team members and what I wasn't finding over here in WA at the time was team members that were willing to get in and get their hands dirty and do you know the mundane tasks um, and really grow their skill set. Everybody sort of came in with an idea of what they wanted to do and they weren't uh, willing to start at the bottom and work their way up. So I guess my, my whole driving force was just to grow the team with team members who wanted to work. So that's sort of the motivation behind it. 
We were also looking at moving into new premises at the time. So we went from 40 accountants drawing on the business management team to 80 accountants drawing on the business management team. So I knew that I needed to backfill and have some team members trained up ready for that merge into one location um, because the writing was on the wall. We were also changing the way we were offering our services to our clients. We were moving from the traditional value uh, uh, hourly-based packages to value price packages um, so we could offer what we like to term bill smoothing to our clients so they know what they're going to be paying each month for their uh, compliance work and, and that includes their tax and accounting work as well. So it was just a change in the way we were doing business with our clients that was really the, the driving force. Excellent. So how did you go about getting set up? How did you obviously research and find us as a partner, the recruitment, the onboarding? What was the process and how long did it take for your firm to go through that? Okay. So I believe, Nick, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, our managing director, Tony McDowell, actually met with yourself at a panalytics conference over on the Gold Coast, I think it was, last year. Um, during that time that he was talking to you, I was actually uh, researching the best way about setting up an offshore team and you know, um, looking at all the different companies offering offshore services and kept coming back to the, the blogs and the vlogs that um, the outsourced accountant have out there in the market. So we sat down uh, at a planning day in February of this year um, with all the directors um, talking about capacity and the way we were changing the business and we decided that we would start with um, two bookkeepers and one client service assistant supporting the, the business management team. So we made contact with, with Toa and then um, spoke to Cameron who passed us over to Claire, filled in the agreements between ourselves and Toa and the seat requests. I had resumes through within two days. I interviewed the following two days and our team members were onboarded between two and four weeks later. So it was a really quick turnaround. I think we sort of had it in our mind that we'd have our first offshore team members up and running by June. We signed our contract with TOA the beginning of April and by the end of April we had our offshore team members onboarded and training with us. Excellent. So you've obviously gone through that process, but for anyone looking to set up an offshore team, what advice would you give them to move as quickly as possible? What would be the three most critical things that you would spend your time on? And obviously you're right in that process now. So what were the three things that you would focus on if you had to do it again? Um, making sure you've got your systems and processes set up, clearly documented and easy to follow. Um, have an onboarding plan to in quickly integrate your offshore team and get them training on the software systems that you're using. If you're planning on having your team members utilise some um, some of the online um, SME products such as MYB Account Right, Essential, Zero, utilise their training online training tutorials. We found that was really beneficial um, for our team members to understand the back end of the software, so they understood their debits and credits. But familiarising them with the software was really good. And during your recruitment process, spend the time when you when you're interviewing them um, via Skype or, or whatever means you're you're interviewing with them to get to know them. Don't worry about too much about the technical questions. The technical stuff you can actually teach anybody. It's whether or not you connect with the person and you feel they're going to that they're going to connect with your team. That's really important to get to know them. Just ask them a few questions that 
you wouldn't normally ask in, in an interview. So, you know, one of my favourite questions is to ask them which piece of fruit they, they would be if they could be a piece of fruit. It completely throws them off centre. It has no relevance to the role that they're doing, but it gets them to stop and think about how they're going to respond and, and shows you whether or not they can actually shift their focus and it's not a re rehearsed answer to a question. That's a really interesting question. What fruit would you be? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. But I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Getting to know them, I suppose, personally, once they've gone through that filtering process, and this is something for people that haven't gone through the process with us, we, we have roughly 20 to 25,000 applications every year in the Philippines coming to us that we then filter down. So by the time they get to be put in front of you during that phase, which you would have seen, Pam, um, it's really around which ones you connect with and, and build a personality with, because technically they're all competent in, in being able to do the role. So it's really around the one that's going to work best for you. Now, this is obviously new for you still at the moment, Pam, but if you had a word or a phrase to describe the value your offshore team provides to your business, what would it be? Oh, without a doubt, um, our offshore team members are worth their weight in gold. We couldn't do what we're doing now without our offshore team members. They are integral um, to our team and to our success. Yeah, that's great, particularly after such a short amount of time. We'll talk a little bit more about that a bit later. But perceptions of offshoring, we've all obviously heard the, the negative things that come with this at times, but what are the main things that you've heard um, before you went down this journey around outsourcing or offshoring and what surprised you the most? Yeah, so this um, actually came throughout our business, um, Nick. So a lot of the feedback that I was getting initially from my own team members, it's hard. You don't know what they're doing. It's difficult to be to be in a relationship with somebody who you're only talking over a computer with and it won't be to our standard. It completely surprised me and frustrated me at the time because you do know what your team are up to. You're talking to them all the time. They're asking for assistance. If you break down those barriers and you get to know them, then they they're just part of the team, you know. If you're approachable, they're going to come and talk to you about any issues or concerns that they have. Yeah, some really valid points there. So the year ahead, obviously, you're only just starting this journey. Um, you're already putting on another two team members. But the year ahead, what's the plan with your offshore team? How do you plan to keep growing your team, their capability, and ultimately their performance? I actually was fortunate enough to fly over very early in the pace to meet with my team members and sit down with them and, and talk about where they'd like to head in their careers and how we can play a role in that. So currently, um, as I've said, we're recruiting for two new team members to join our Amada team. Um, so one of those team members is a bookkeeper and, a, and the other is another client service assistant which will assist our tax and accounting team. We're constantly introducing new skills to our existing team members which allows them to upskill and feel more valued and more part of contributing higher level work to the clients and what we're going to actively promote within our offshore team is a bit like what we do with our, with our Perth office where you know as somebody new comes on board they're buddied up and, and that person becomes sort of like a team leader and a mentor which gives them a sense of purpose, a sense of progression in their career. We've also talked about moving um, as our bookkeepers progress with their skills moving them into low-level tax and accounting work. Um, obviously, they've all done their accounting degrees, so that allows them to move more into that tax and accounting work and assisting them fulfil their desire or their dream of becoming CPAs as well as time progresses. 
I think you made a, a really good point and I highly recommend this to anyone with an offshore team is to the more the quicker you can go over there and build that rapport and that relationship particularly in the early days um, it just really um, pays back over the next six to 12 months and and understanding their culture is also another thing that you go there and you understand their environment their culture so I couldn't agree more with that. So Pam, some recommendations for our listeners. What are some of the uh, of the things that you would recommend they do in managing an offshore team? Okay, so regular regular communication is obviously paramount. Treat your offshore team members just like you t treat your onshore team members. So you know you're catching up with your team members in regular huddles or morning meetings, afternoon meetings, whatever you call them. Um, I know that we have a morning catch-up and an afternoon catch-up with our offshore team members. If it's not myself, it's one of my team leaders here in Perth. We check in on any issues that they've had from the prior day in the morning, if they need any guidance or any training. And in the afternoon, we check on their progress of tasks that have been set throughout the day. And then obviously having Skype or, or Zoom or, or whatever you're using available for the team member just to quickly make contact with us during the day to get some assistance should they require it. Implement a really easy to use workflow management tool. Um, we use Asana at Amata, and what this does is it allows the whole team to see who has capacity and where we may need to focus some assistance. We're getting work thrown at us all the time from, from clients, from accountants, from lending, from, from financial planning. So for me to have a screenshot as the director of uh, business management to see what our local team are doing and what our offshore team are doing. I can see who's overloaded, when we may need to put on the next person, if we're if our lead times are dragging out. So it's really important to be able to, to see that in a quick snapshot and I really recommend a sign off for that. Go to the Philippines, get to know your team, get to know their world, take an interest in their lives, experience the food. My team were fantastic in uh, getting me to try all the local delicacies um, and what that did was it showed them you know some of the the stuff of, I'm talking about the baloo which I'm sure you understand I did try so well well done I've had I've had it several <laughs> times but you will be one of probably 40 percent of clients that have been there that have tried it so big well done but couldn't agree more get into the culture yeah and it just Go, shows your team that you're getting out of your comfort zone. We went out to a high ropes course on one day. I'm absolutely petrified of heights. So for them, it was fantastic to see, I guess, the boss outside their comfort zone because, you know, they have this perception that we've we've got it together all the time when re realistically we're all exactly the same and there's times where we have to tackle something that we don't necessarily want to do or it takes us out of our comfort zone. So it puts a human, I guess, face to who we are and we're not just somebody down the end of a computer screen. Yeah, great advice. I'm also scared of heights, but you'd never see me doing that. <laughs> it's one thing that I can't get over. So, Pam, we'll talk a little bit about metrics and KPIs. What KPIs do you use to measure the success of your offshore team? Yeah, so this is, a, I guess, you know, KPIs are very much talked about in business day to day. We measure KPIs for our clients, our accounting team measure KPIs, we measure KPIs. For me, it comes down to knowledge gained, client satisfaction, the quality of the work, turnaround of our jobs, and the productivity is probably down the bottom especially when we're so new and our team members are learning our ways and our systems and processes. So realistically, my main focus, my main KPI at the moment for our offshore team is the gain of knowledge and 
I guess, the familiar of how quickly they're adapting to, you know, new software that's being thrown at them on a daily basis. Yeah, great. So the next question I'm going to ask you, I know that it's still only in the early days, but how has offshoring benefited your clients? Yeah, so this is a, a really interesting one because I wouldn't have thought it had such a benefit so quickly when you're still training people. But we're finding that we're turning jobs around a heck of a lot quicker. So um, we've adopted a strategy where our team leaders are um, teamed up with each of the bookkeepers. So we've got two team leaders within our business management team. Um, so they're getting the work in. They're, they're the client, the face to the client. But our offshore team are, are leveraging off our team skills and getting the knowledge and, and being able to talk to somebody at all times. And we're getting these jobs out for our clients quicker than we ever have before. The other thing for our clients that they're seeing um, is that our leadership team, so myself and my two team leaders, have more time to focus on high-level work. So more of the consulting work, picking up their pain points, finding a solution and implementing them. That's stuff that we just weren't getting to before we had our offshore team because we're so focused on doing the compliance work. We didn't have time to worry about the other stuff. So now we've got time to worry about the other stuff. We can research, we can fix the problem and the clients are saying that. That's great that it's had such an impact so soon. So how has offshoring contributed to giving you more time personally? It may not have because it's obviously so early. Um, has it given you any more work-life um, balance or and or your team in Australia? Yeah, definitely. So with anything, any new team member, you've got to invest the time um, to train them. So obviously initially it was added time to, to train them through your systems and processes, but over the last probably six weeks, we've been able to take a lot of my compliance workload, push that down through the team leaders into the offshore team. I'm now able to focus on um, working on the business and not in the business, so it's freed me up to do what I'm supposed to be doing as a director and that's looking for new strategies and new opportunities. Um, our team leaders have stopped doing a lot of the clients' work, so they're now focusing on that high-level, value-priced consulting work, and it gives the, te the team leaders more opportunity to grow their career as well. So they're finding that they're not working so much on compliance, but they're you know moving into that consulting work, which is where they both want to be working. They don't want to be doing the compliance work anymore. Excellent. Now this is this may or may not be relevant because it is so early, but has offshoring had an effect on average hourly rate, if that's how you measure it within the firm, um, and if not, mm -hmm. overall profit to the firm? Yeah, so definitely. Um, I know I've spoken to Claire um, about this and, and just how surprised we were. So our traditional compliance profitability has um, increased by two to three times. Our overall consulting rate has um, increased on the volume that we do by 10%. But in the last three months since we've had our offshore team on board, we've seen our business management division's profitability almost double in three months. Yeah, well, that's phenomenal in such a short amount of time. Yeah, no, it's been amazing. You know, that's great. So I'm going to go a little bit off off track now and, and talk more, um, I suppose, from some of your experiences from the past. So what one bit of advice would you give your younger self um, from a business advice point of view? Um, so I was sat last night thinking about this, and I guess the first thing that comes to mind is get out of your comfort zone and take a risk on something that you actually truly believe in. Um, I, I always live by the analogy that it's okay to fail as long as you fail fast um, and I often quote to my team, there is no such thing as a failure, 
just feedback for future success. So just embrace it, back yourself. Um, you know, you, you don't get anywhere in business if you don't, you know, have a few slip-ups along the way as long as you learn from it and move on. Yeah, I couldn't agree more and it's probably one of the reasons why um, you're in the position you are today. Um, so one bit of advice for your younger self from a personal point of view. Um, so this is a really interesting one because I often tell people that I'm not a very confident person, which when you meet me, you go, and I think she's lying. Really? <laughs> but <laughs> um, I guess believe in yourself and believe in your, your abilities. Um, find somebody who you, you do trust to discuss your ideas but will honestly give you feedback on what they think and can provide you with objective opinions. So, um, yeah, just believe in yourself. You, you can do it and, and if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. Great advice. So what is the biggest myth or objection you've heard about having an offshore team and is it true? Yeah. So one of the ones that we had in our business was why are we sending our jobs offshore? So why are we sending jobs overseas? This is absolutely, without a doubt, a complete fallacy um, and I, I speak from experience. So as I said, we are currently recruiting two offshore people as bookkeepers and client service assistants. We're currently recruiting locally another team leader within the business management team and another CSA. So we're finding for every offshore team member we're putting on, we're putting on a, on a, a local person at the same time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that point. Uh, most of our clients, I would say 98% of our clients globally are growing both their local team and their global offshore team. It's it's not one or the other. Um, so I couldn't agree more with that. Now, for someone looking to grow their business or their team, what's the best piece of advice that you've heard um, and implemented that you could pass on to our listeners? So the one piece of advice that I've, well, one of the pieces of advice, but the one that I stands to me, stands out to me the most is the regular catch-up. So Treat your team members offshore just like they're standing in front of you in your Perth office or, or whatever your location may be. You know, make sure you've got your morning and your afternoon catch-ups and you stick to that. It is hard and it does take discipline, um, but the, re the reward, the way your offshore team member then integrates with your team is, you know, it's going to happen a far quicker than if you are only contacting them to throw work or, you know, provide training. We also make sure that when we're having office celebrations or we've got team training that we're, we're including our offshore team in that as well. So they get to know not just the person that they're dealing with day to day, but the whole team as well. So I love that our offshore team know that one of our directors and I are very, very close. Um, they actually giggle that he's old enough to be their father. So that's a bit of a running joke and it just shows you how relaxed and, and comfortable our offshore team members are with with our whole Amada team. And that's great that you've built that relationship that quickly with them because that's that's part of the success of making it work is humanising it and, and having the team as one team. So well done on everything you've implemented so far. So we're going to finish with a quick five in five and this is more around the technology stack and et cetera that you use. So what cloud software do you use for you, particularly for your division within the business? So obviously for the accounting side, we use MYB Zero QuickBooks. Um, we use Asana for workflow, Zoom and Skype to deal with the offshore team and to discuss even, you know, we've implemented Zoom and Skype for training with our um, clients in country areas as well. That's great. So what's your favourite app? 
So for me, Receipt Bank, without a doubt, hands down, because we still have those clients that walk in with the shoebox full of receipts. I have a CSA sit there with an iPad and take photos of them. Then they're automatically uploaded. The offshore team can log in and they can process it. So it takes away from the scanning, the manual entry, um, and it really makes everything a heck of a lot more efficient. Yeah, Receipt Bank is certainly a good one. So what is your must-read each week? I was going to be cheeky and tell you Facebook, but <laughs> <laughs> if we're talking business-wise, I always make sure that I read the Accountants Daily, but the Bookkeeper Edition, which is obviously pertains to the division that I'm director of, and the ICB newsletter, but that's a monthly thing. Excellent. Now, your favourite social media channel, did you just say that one then? No, it's actually Instagram. I like pictures. Okay. I like to see where people are travelling and, and what they're doing. Excellent. And your favourite KPI? Quality of work. Love that one. So much value today. So thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat to me and for our listeners to hear, um, Pam. If any of our listeners want to reach out to you and get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Um, probably through either Facebook, Amata Business Management, or via email, pamelat at amata.com.au. Wonderful. And we'll put those details in the show notes anyway. So thank you so much again for your time today, Pam. My pleasure, Nick. Thank you. To follow our podcast and get insights from leading accountants, simply visit theoutsourcedaccountant.com or visit iTunes or SourCloud and head to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. To connect with me personally, just look for my Twitter handle, at Nick Q Sinclair or find me on LinkedIn at Nick Sinclair. Thanks and have a great day.